from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Avoiding dysentery while keeping things rolling on the Oregon Trail. We check out a new take on a familiar gaming favorite, the quiet rally in cotton. I think the market's trying to bid to get some more acreage here. But is it coming to an end? as farmers weigh higher interest rates and lower commodity prices when it comes to buying new equipment. So folks are becoming much more mindful of looking at where the profit selling opportunities are. We check out buyer and seller sentiment at this year's National Farm Machinery Show, right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when blood, sweat, and tears meet rain, wind, and sun. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Another hotter than anticipated update on inflation showing the battle against rising prices isn't over. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reporting the producer price index increased three tenths of a percent in January, bringing the annual increase to 0.9%. Analysts say the numbers will keep the door closed on hopes that the Federal Reserve will start cutting interest rates in March. Those higher interest rates weighing heavy on the minds of producers looking to buy new equipment right now. Farm Journal's Tyne Morgan joins us from this year's National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville. And Tyne, you asked analysts there about the impact of these interest rates. Well, Clinton signals heading into 2024 pointed toward declining interest rates this year. That's not been the case. In fact, interest rates are creeping back up the past couple of weeks. Combine that with declining commodity prices and moods have definitely shifted at National Farm Machinery Show this year. Well, we have definitely seen interest rates edge back up a little bit. I think if you look at some of the consumer price data that came out, that was a little bit surprising to the market. And I think that's probably the primary driver of what we've seen at this point. Hoskins says as margins tighten and challenges increase, farmers are becoming more mindful of purchases, but also looking at places to cut. Well, there's obviously a sentiment of margins are tightening, challenging or challenges are increasing. So folks are becoming much more mindful of looking at where the profit selling opportunities are. And I think are fine tuning those marketing plans to be able to take advantage of those when they present themselves. We are seeing people that are making sure that it's a good long-term decision before they pull the trigger. I don't know that we've seen any necessarily back completely off at this point, but we have seen people that have kind of stopped to consider a little bit before they move forward with things. Machinery Pete says used equipment market values are holding strong, but there is more caution on longer-term purchasing decisions. Well, probably the combine market uh, still seeing some shifting there. Started a little bit early 23, but the supply built up and uh, we're just, it, that segment is changing quickly here in early 24. So some better buying opportunities, I think definitely in that six to 10 year old range with combines. Clint Machinery Pete says he's watching the supply side closely of both new and used equipment on dealer lots. We're coming off historic lows for used inventory. So as that creeps up, he says that could begin to provide some relief on used equipment prices. Reporting from National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky, I'm Tyne Morgan for Ag Day. 
All right, thanks, Ty. And another sign the higher interest rates are impacting farmers. John Deere's stock dipped last week despite a strong earnings report. That's because the company is forecasting net income to be down slightly this year. The company releasing its first quarter earnings, reporting worldwide net sales and revenues dropped 4% to 12.18 billion dollars compared to the same time last year. Net income was $1.75 billion, or $6.23 a share, beating analyst estimates. However, for this year, the company is anticipating net income of about $7.6 billion for the year, down from the previous forecast of $8 billion and below analyst predictions. Now, Deer is seen as a bellwether for the health of the ag industry, and it's warning sales of large ag equipment could decline 20% this year. Now, CNH Industrial reporting earnings in line with expectations, while Agco's guidance also aligned with Wall Street's forecasts. Rural bankers continue to be pessimistic about the overall rural economy. The latest rural Main Street index now in negative territory for the sixth straight month. Dr. Ernie Goss of Creighton University reporting that the overall index dipped to 46.2 from 48.1 in January. In this survey of bankers in a 10-state region, 50 is considered growth neutral for the rural economy. Now, Goss says higher interest rates, weaker agriculture commodity prices, and a credit squeeze are having a significant and negative impact on rural Main Street businesses and farmers. Now, according to his survey, 44% of bankers report worsening farm finances, and three quarters of bank CEOs say low commodity prices are the biggest risk for farms in 2024. Drones are fast becoming a popular tool for producers, but now the FBI is issuing a warning about using drones manufactured in China. The agency is saying drones from China continue to post a significant risk to critical infrastructure and national security. The officials say if ag drone users don't maintain the integrity of the information they collect, that there is a potential for that information to be exploited. They say information from drones can be stolen in transmission if linked to wireless networks using compromised software and hardware that are integral to the operation of the drone. Now, several federal agencies have banned the purchase and operation of drones from companies such as DJI and fellow Chinese commercial drone makers XAG and Autel Robotics due to their potential for exploitation. We have much more about this and what you need to watch out for in a story we've posted to agweb.com. While corn recently hit a three-year low, cotton has been on a tear. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us. And Michelle, it has really bounced back from the low it hit back in December. Yeah, that's right, Clinton. March cotton hit a low just above 78 cents on December 21st and then climbed over 17 and a half cents into Friday's high before hitting some chart resistance and seeing some profit taking. But what's been behind the rally and more importantly, was Friday's correction are the highs in. Last week, March cotton notched a fresh near term high and the highest price since mid-August of 2022. It's tied to lower available supplies and strong exports. USDA raised exports in the WASD by 200,000 bales and lowered ending stocks to 2.8 million bales. Plus, world carryover was cut 700,000 bales. You're sitting on uh, tighter ending stocks. Uh, you're, you're under 3 million bales. Uh, you've got some questions about acreage for this year. Are you really going to get a big rebound in acreage or is it going to go to corn or soybeans or milo or something else? Uh, I think the market's trying to bid to get some more acreage here. USDA up 2024 cotton acreage by 800,000 acres at the Ag Outlook Forum with improved moisture in areas like Texas. 
But new crop December futures are still under 85 cents, and Brugler says at that level, cotton doesn't compete well for acres. Cost and, and revenue per acre based on the same land rent for all crops, and uh, soybeans still are the highest net revenue per acre projection, corn second, cotton and, and wheat are just barely above break even, even with this price level. Plus, with declining U.S. demand and the global economic slowdown, especially in China, market analysts think the market may be topping. I saw U.S. milling is like at civil war levels, like 2.2 like million bales, I think is what we're going to mill in the United States next year. In like 2002, I think it was like 10 million bales. So we've lost all of that domestic demand, and it's all so reliant on overseas apparel that if without a global economy booming, it's hard to see you know, the cost of clothing going up. The recent climb in the stock market in crude oil has also driven some speculative buying in the cotton market. So it needs those markets to continue to move higher to sustain any rally. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day. More rain for areas of the West Coast already recovering from too much moisture. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht joins us with an update. Matt. Hey, look at that precipitation outlook and that ridge of high pressure, which is going to force some of that warmer air in and across the United States is also going to result in some drier than normal conditions where we finally got some rain and alleviated part of that drought into Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi. Uh, that is going to come back with some dry air in and across those locations. I'm not saying it's a return back to drought conditions, uh, but I'm not expecting much in the way of wetter than average uh, conditions for those locations. A similar situation uh, back up into the Dakotas, uh, but also into Montana with a good chance of below or drier than normal conditions between the 21st and the 25th. So it doesn't quite take us all the way into March 1st, but things are lining up for this pattern to hold. Wetter than average, possibly over there to the northeast, but also on the west coast as well. And something many folks haven't seen in a while in the Midwest, snow. This was a scene on I-65 in Lafayette as some snow finally passed through the region. The snow pretty heavy at times, with officials warning of slick condition. Uh, conditions. Is there more on the way? I'll have an update coming up. Flip Your Soil on Ag Day is brought to you by ESN. Hear how farmer Heath Cottrell achieved award-winning corn yields with ESN Smart Nitrogen. Learn more at smartnitrogen.com. When it comes to strategies for flipping your soil to improve yield, there are many farmers from across the country that have success stories to share. Michigan farmer Don Morse has been using conservation tillage for nearly 50 years, starting with the first 350 acres of land he ever bought. He says using conservation practices allowed him to buy and rent farmland to grow to 3,100 acres today. So the no-till is something that I think has been instrumental in our growth here. So I currently have a 40 that I was renting that we own now that it it was no-tilled starting in 1975, and it's never had steel in it any deeper than what a planter. We get, and we've got a lot of land now that's got 30 years, so it's been a long time. Morse also adopted the use of cover crops starting back in 2018, initially to help with weed suppression. He's planted various species, but says rye works the best applied aerially in the fall, and this paid off during last season's drought. Took the dry weather better. We had the cover crop residue, the mat there. Um, and then this fall, 
because of nice structure, we infiltrated the water better. He says cover crops improve soil health, sequester carbon, and provide a growing crop all winter long to build up soil biome and tilth. Plus, they prevent soil erosion and surface runoff. Livestock finish the week strong while soybeans fight to stay in the green. We'll take a look at where markets are starting off this week, coming up next. And later, we'll load some commodities into the wagon before setting out on the Oregon Trail. We'll tell you about an update to this childhood classic in the country. Many of the major commodities clawing their way back into the green to end last week. Michelle Rook has an update in markets now. Friday's market closes in the grays, mostly lower except for soybeans, but mostly higher in the livestock. Rich Nelson with Allendale is joining us. The pop that we saw in soybeans last Friday, Rich, you know, was that just short covering going into that three-day holiday? You know, I assume they have to say so. Keep in mind here, as far as soybeans, they still had rising open interest numbers up 12,000 on Wednesday, 14,000 added to open interest on Thursday on those new lows. So a high confidence bear market still with us on the soybean side. I would not suggest Friday's trade is really yet uh, that uh, low of the low point we're kind of looking at here. So you think it might be just a one day pop then, huh? I hate to say so. Uh, all of our downside targets have been met and we would suggest this market can move into that uh, sideways period, a pause period, so to speak. But uh, that's our general economic view to certainly uh, the short term trade view, though, is certainly still a downtrend still in place right now, though. And corn and much of the wheat sector hitting new contract lows last Friday as well. But do you think that we've got most of the bearish news moved into that market or are we getting close anyways? I got to say so on the corn side, maybe there's some light, chi uh, light changes here. Uh, since February 5th, we have seen open interest drop in corn. So in other words, this last leg of lower prices is now people getting out. So whether it's profit taking from bears or weak bulls finally getting out either way uh, the point is for corn at least we are seeing people get out on this last leg so maybe into this next week ahead we might see a little more of a pause rather than the soybean discussion here we did have a conversely strong day on friday in the cattle market new highs for the movement both live and feeder cattle futures can we keep going on this side i actually do think so especially for the feeder side you know that got we got to point out this week's sale bar in action uh, the feeder is up 37% over last year. That's one year versus the prior year. Uh, calf prices in the sale barn up 41% versus last year. So the fact is, even for live cattle, which don't have that good, strong argument for the short term yet, they're still posting gains in new contract highs. So both feeders and fats uh, certainly ending the week on a very strong note here. No doubt, especially with some of that lower cash trade we saw in the Fed market. Thanks for joining us. Rich Nelson with Allendale. We'll have more Ag Day coming up. To talk to Rich Nelson one-on-one, -on -one, call 800-262-7538. Well, here's a look at that jet stream coming up for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Remember last week, we were talking about a ridge settling in and across the area that continues to show up uh, in the data. So this week, it's not so much about uh, systems or, or storm systems moving across the United States. It's the exact opposite. Uh, we're going to see a ridge build in, which is right here with a white, very similar pattern to what we had uh, earlier uh, in the month and kind of returning to it too 
end the month. Now there are going to be a few disturbances and I want to show you Wednesday and into Thursday a weak disturbances kind of riding back down off of this ridge a little a bit of a U trying to develop back down into uh, parts of Missouri and Iowa may get some rain chances in here Thursday and into Friday, but much like last week, these are going to be kind of short lived fast moving systems that don't have the support of the jet stream. If they had the support of the jet stream, we'd be looking at a, a bigger system impacting a larger part of the United States. So again, there's Thursday and then by Friday and Saturday, another hint at a clipper trying to come through with some colder air attached to it. Now keep in mind uh, with this clipper uh, coming in temperatures in and around that are going to be at or above average before that colder air moves in. So there's going to be kind of a, a sharp contrast in temperatures. The other part of this is that this is going to be one of those one or two day only type situations as it is going to be pretty shallow and moving through quickly, which means ridging is going to return right back into the forecast. Now as for that temperature outlook, so this is February 23rd through the 29th, takes us all the way into leap day, February 29th, a lot of red out there with that ridge of high pressure and not so much into the northeast or back down here to the south. Part of this has to do with those two kind of broad clippers moving through, bringing in some slightly cooler temperatures, but even still in between those days, it is going to be rather warm in and across the United States. Now over on the west coast, you got the blue which is going to keep things relatively cool with more rain in the forecast uh, as we go through next week. Again, there's February 23rd through the 29th. We'll start off in uh, Coffeyville, Kansas, partly cloudy, high of 61 degrees, low of 36. Gulfport, Mississippi, sunny, high around 60 degrees, low of 45. And then Colt, Arkansas, mostly sunny, high of 56 degrees and a low of 38. A new study warns desert locusts could be a bigger problem in the future. A study published in the journal Science Advances found if temperatures rise, desert locusts could expand their habitat by 25% in less than 100 years. That means the crop-eating critters may end up in new areas like Afghanistan, India, Iran, and Turkmenistan. Currently, desert locusts are found in North Africa, South Asia, and the Middle East. They thrive in hot, dry conditions, but need occasional rain for incubating their eggs in the soil. And another new study says Louisiana's coastal wetlands could be underwater in the coming decades. Scientists say sea levels are rising faster than the wetlands can grow. Of the 253 wetland sites the authors monitored, about 6% are entirely underwater even at low tide. Meanwhile, they say roughly 70% are in the process of drowning. If sea levels continue to rise as expected, the study predicts Louisiana could lose 75% of its coastal wetlands by 2070. Now, as a kid playing the Oregon Trail, rising water often meant fording a river. That cult classic is back and has a whole new look. We'll tell you about the latest version of the Oregon Trail next. child of the 70s and 80s, no doubt one of the first video games you played was Oregon Trail, the game designed to teach kids about life as a 19th century pioneer in rural America and experiences on the Oregon Trail. Leading settlers from Independence, Missouri to the Willamette Valley in Oregon back in 1848. Now the game has seen multiple updates over the years and 
you're looking at the very latest. Yes, the days of monochrome green on black gameplay are behind you in this new version of the Oregon Trail. However, you'll still have to survive blizzards, broken limbs, snake bites, exhaustion, starvation, and the dreaded dysentery. But for the first time, the game features Native American playable characters and stories, and you can learn about real people and places in an interactive journal. This modern take on the edutainment classic is already available on most game systems with the PlayStation 4 and 5 just joining the wagon train headed west. And there you have it. That's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Quentin Griffiths. Have a great day. Have a fun day.